0: So we are on part four of a four-series, a four-session series that I have called I'll Have a Cup of That. Um, It's talking about the four cups that the Jewish people use when they celebrate Passover. I'm going back over Passover just briefly each time because I don't want to assume that everyone understands what Passover is. So you find the Israelite people, slaves in Egypt, struggling, wrestling, being made to build with less materials and less time and being whipped in the process. And it's difficult. And they're crying out to God saying, where are you? Moses arrives with the anointing of God on his life. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh has a fight off and they have a whole load of plagues and stuff happens, you know the story. It comes to the point where God's got to shift something. And he goes to the Israelite people and he says to them, Each family needs to take a spotless lamb, sacrifice the spotless lamb and use its blood to paint on the lintels of the door. Because tonight I'm going to allow the angel of death to come in. And where he sees the blood of the spotless lamb, he will pass over. That's where the word comes from. Death passes over where he sees the blood of the lamb. Where there is no blood of the lamb, he enters in and he, he will take the firstborn son of every family. And it was that moment where Pharaoh said, enough already, I'm letting you go. And so they celebrate this feast of Passover, remembering how God got them out of slavery into freedom. And they use four cups. I love the Jewish people, you know, we do communion, we'll do it in a moment, where we have one cup. But the Jewish people have four cups. Uh, you know, they know how to party, these Jewish people. I need to be a bit more Jewish in my life, I think. And they celebrate four cups because of the four I wills that God promises them in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. Here it is, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 of 7. Um, Therefore say this to the Israelites, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. The first I will is the cup of sanctification probably can't read that, but it's on there. The cup of sanctification. The idea of sanctification is you are set apart for purpose. The purpose to relate to a loving father. I will free you from bringing slaves to them. And we wrestle with that in part two. You can find all these messages online if you want to hear them. We wrestle with that. Why is it I'll bring you out and I'll set you free? It's not bringing them out, setting them free. It's, isn't it the same thing? But it's not. Because they came out of the yoke But they were still thinking and acting and living like slaves. They weren't there anymore, but they didn't know how to think differently. So setting them free was the cup of deliverance, which is the second cup. And it's to do with mindsets, thought processes, habits, that although you're out, you're not living like you're out. And it's deliverance. I will redeem you with a mighty with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of doge- judgment. Last week we talked about redemption. The idea that being redeemed is being paid for. We talked about having a voucher. And when you redeem the voucher, you get what the voucher is worth. You were redeemed by the blood of the spotless lamb. You are you worth it to him. You are redeemed. Which leads us on to the final I will. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. It's the cup of acceptance. Turn to the person next to you and say you're accepted. And it builds this whole picture of salvation. Salvation isn't an event. It's a decision in time but then you go on a journey. And as I unpack today you'll see that this cup of acceptance just finishes it all off. And puts a cherry on the top and it's awesome. I'll have a cup of that the cup of acceptance. Uh, To build a picture for you, I want to take you back to somewhere in my life, uh, back to somewhere in my football career. Wave, you like football? Anyone like football in the building? Quite a few people like football. Uh, I I played professional football for a number of years for Dagenham and Redbridge in League Two, um, but I started at Ipswich Town. Any Ipswich Town supporters in the building? One Ipswich Town supporter. (laughs) I I started there, I went through all their youth ranks, loved it, it was gifted, you know, loads of good stuff happening. Uh, but it came to the point in the final youth le- year of decision on whether they're going to give you a professional contract, and they didn't offer me a professional contract, and it was gutting, because here you are as a sort of 16, 17-year-old young man dreaming of being this Premier League star, and everything that might bring, and you're that close, and they say no, you like, oh... And so I went off and I picked myself up and family got around me and I, and I went and played for some lower level teams, I played for Champions City for a little while, great club, good support, couple of thousand people at a weekend and it was really really cool but it wasn't going to pay for the rest of my life. So I had to go off to, um, to study and I studied a degree in health and fitness. And, um, <laughs> And I loved it. I loved doing health and fitness and I loved being a personal trainer after that and being part of someone's journey to achieve their life goals in terms of health and and look and all the rest of it. It was really, really cool. But during that period... Um, a guy used to pay me to go and play for a local Saturday team, basically a pub team, for want of a better word. But he paid me to travel an hour back because he wanted to win the league. And, and we went through the whole season undefeated. I think I scored about five goals every week and I was a little superstar. Was, you know, Barry's here, we're going to win, kind of thing. And it was really cool. And, um, but it was a low level. During that period at the low level, the Dagenham and Redbridge manager came and watched. Now, I was the outstanding player on the pitch at that level, and he approached me and said, ''How would you fancy coming and signing for Dugganman Redbridge?'' ''Well, it's a no-brainer, isn't it?'' ''Absolutely.'' And uh, they took me on holiday to Portugal, to his private villa, and I signed the contract and got a signing-on fee, and uh, looked forward to going to play for Dugganman Redbridge, and I'd turn up, and it's a good stadium. I, I loved the fact that in the stadium it had three bars, Now, I was playing for a Sunday team which had one bar between 20 teams. This had three bars. I was like, oh, I'm playing for a big club now. I was chatting to some of my players, and some of them had been given cars or signing on fees. I was like, I've come from little riddle to a team where you're getting a car just to sign a bit of paper. I was like, come on, living the dream. And, um, of course, I started training with them. And suddenly, they were excellent players. The issue was not that I wasn't talented enough, is that I'd found myself playing at a lower level and I'd become used to that. And so having to step up not one or two, three rungs, but lots of rungs to these professional players at the time was difficult for me. And and so what happened is, I signed my contract, I made the papers, had me mugshot in there and all the rest of it, and then I went to play pre-season. And I was flipping useless. (laughs) I just wasn't up to speed, and it wasn't because I didn't have the talent, it's because I positioned myself living here, and I was trying to live here, and so I went out there, and there was all the bravado, I was puffing my chest, and I was the man, you gave me the balls all over the place, and the reason I was all over the place is because I didn't feel like I belonged there, and it's funny when you don't feel like you belong, or don't feel like you're accepted, how nerves come in. And when nerves come in, you don't behave how you should behave, you behave differently. And so you'll receive the ball and you could blast the ball at me and I could trap it ever so easily. But when you're all nervous, it bounces off your kneecap and you look a right idiot. I think five games in, they're thinking, what have we got here? Who signed this fella? And five games in, I just wasn't doing it and I ended up in the reserves. I mean, how flipping embarrassing is that? You know, I've signed, I was telling everyone I've signed for this club. Three weeks down the line, I'm turning out for the resis in front of two men and a dog. It was just like, oh, come on. (laughs) Played three games reserves, sort of, you know, that was relatively easy. And then the guy who they put in my position got injured. And they phoned me up and said, Barry, midweek game, Tuesday, you're in, you're starting, he's got injured, we need you to play. Come on, pull yourself together kind of talk. A few more F's and B's in that, but um, pull yourself together kind of talk. (laughs) And um, I got out there. And I just, I just had to mentally say, come on, pull yourself together. And I don't know if you've ever been in sports, but often the very first thing you do dictates everything else. And so the ball came towards me. Now, I, was f- I did 100 meters and 10 7, so I was fast. The ball came across to me, and my first touch was to go down the line. And uh, if there's any defenders in the room, you always defend on the, on the side so you're ready to go. This guy came on square. I completely mugged him off. It was brilliant. He came running, he was too square, so he had to turn. So I've knocked it past him and gone and got my elbow in his ear hole, knocked him over and kept going. The whole crowd's gone, Aah! I'm really doing it, man. I'm running down the, I pinged it in the box, the bloke nutted it, he went over the bar, but, but I did my bit. In that moment, my confidence went from here to here. I got man of the match that day. Everyone wanted me to sign their autograph afterwards. They took me into the sponsor's lounge and I got this magnum of champagne like this. Then I knew I was accepted. You see, I went on to play really well from there. I hadn't changed. My ability hadn't changed. But how I felt changed. Mm -hmm. You see, I arrived at a bigger club than I was used to at, and I thought I've got to prove myself. But the moment I was accepted and I knew I belonged, everything changed. Mm -hmm. And I want to suggest to you that acceptance and belonging totally affects behavior and performance. Can you see the point I'm trying to make? So this fourth cup of Passover, this cup of acceptance, is actually the final cherry on the cake of of this picture of salvation. Because here we are with sanctification. He says, I'm going to bring you out. You've been living in amongst oppression, and it's not what I ever wanted you for. So I bring you out. I sanctify you. I set you aside for purpose. You're better than that. He says, I'm going to deliver you because now I need you to stop thinking like a slave and start thinking like a prince. I want you to stop thinking like a slave and start thinking like a princess because that will affect your behavior. And then I want you to know that I've redeemed you. I've paid the price for you. I think you're worth it. I will shed my blood. I will reach out and pull you down. I will do it because you're worth it. And suddenly you're like, wow, I never belonged there. Why am I thinking like that? I'm affecting my behavior, and my father in heaven's reached down and grabbed me. And then it leads on to this acceptance. And he says, More than that, I love you, you're mine. I love the fact that he doesn't call us in to be on our own, he calls us into family. You will be my people, not you will be my person. You will be my people. And one of the things in in life, even today, in 2018, the struggle is people want to belong to something. Gang culture works, not because everyone's aggressive and horrible, but people want to belong. You know, people in any sphere of life who act a different way do that because they want to belong. But Almighty God says, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You belong into my family. Uh, I love it. It says that here in in Isaiah 43.1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. It's this whole idea that I haven't just redeemed you. I know your name. You belong here. You're my family. You know, when I go back to my football days, when I first arrived, no one really knew me. But when I got man of the match, everyone knew me. And when they know your name, you feel like you belong. God Says to you, I know your name. I know your name. I know your name. I know your name. We are family. You belong here. And you are accepted. Can you see the picture of salvation? It isn't just a moment. It's a decision to say, Jesus, I need you. But then he takes you on a journey of sanctifying you, delivering you, redeeming you, and making you feel like you're accepted because you really are. You belong and belonging allows you to function at your best. Yeah. You see, when you really, really, you know, I know many of you sat in this room and will get this stuff. But when you really get this stuff, it affects how you behave. Yeah. Interesting how Daniel led the service earlier. When you really know your acceptance, when you really know who dad is, when you really know you're part of a family, it changes how you behave. And it brings the best out in you. Yeah. It's no surprise then that we live in a time where family is under attack. How many families could you know that are falling apart? Maybe your family's falling apart. It's under attack. Children are growing up confused about where they belong. Children are growing up not really knowing what acceptance looks like. And therefore, they don't know their own identity. It's under attack. Yet we're the light of the world. Yet we're God's family. It, It shouldn't surprise us that fatherhood's under attack. So many amazing, brilliant people growing up with absent fathers. Not always because they don't love their kids, but they don't know how to love their kids. They're doing their best and working the hours, but they're never there. All kinds of reasons, but it's stopping children growing up from knowing what security looks like. And so therefore, people are struggling to understand God as Father because it's foreign to them. People are struggling to understand God's church as family because it's foreign to them. And yet God has always said, I will take you as my people. I will do it. I will accept you. Let's do this together. What the cup of acceptance does is allow us to start dreaming again. Here we were living in a lifestyle that was hard and oppressive. And God says, I'm bringing you out of that. Now you've got to stop thinking like that. Know that I have paid for this. And now let's start dreaming again. You see what happens is back to my football. When I got there, I was in the dream, but I wasn't living the dream because I didn't know how to. And so many of us have made a commitment to Christ, and you thought, but it's not changed. It's because you don't know who your father is properly, it's because you don't really understand that you belong in the family. And when you know you're accepted, everything changes. There's a dream in you that God wants to ignite, and it comes in his cup of acceptance. I put it there from the beginning and it's been oppressed and your thinking's ruined it. But now you need to know that I've paid for you and I've brought you to a place where I accept you. I don't want to make you someone else. I want to let you be you. We live in a world where everyone's trying to box you in. You've got to be this person to be successful. You've got to live this way. You've got to dress like this. You've got to act like this. You've got to do this with your money. That's the world we live in. But that's not my father. My father says, I made you all different and I love it. Have a look around the room. How different are we all? This is heaven. I love the fact we've got every shape and color and shade and height and background. It's all in the house of God. And God's like, yes, it's what I always wanted. You haven't got to be me and I haven't got to be you. But when you know you are accepted and we are his people, we behave differently and it changes everything. You become the best version of you. I love the fact that God's saying in the cup of acceptance, come on, let's do this together. Let's dream again. Me and you, let's dream again. And who knows that when you dream with the Father, all things are possible. It's not even about your ability, it's about his ability. It brings us to this, what I want to call the saddest moment in history. You see, the moment where my Jesus went to the cross. I don't know what relationship you have with your Jesus, but my Jesus didn't deserve it. My Jesus lived this life which was so inspirational. He gave, he healed, he gave time, he demonstrated something. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's an exact replication of his Father on earth. He did nothing wrong. And they put him on a cross and he didn't deserve it. But worse than that, there he was on the cross. And this is what my Jesus shouted out. In Mark 15, verse 34. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a light, loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. <laughs> Don't think he stammered. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is my Jesus. This is the one who came from heaven to demonstrate what love looked like. This was the one to come and inspire someone like me in 2018 to give my life to him. This was the one that when the blind man turned up, he walked away seeing. This is the one when the people who were hungry, they walked away fed. This is the one who the tax collector met, who everyone hated him. But Jesus said, but I'll eat with you and changed his world. This is my Jesus. And there he is hanging on a cross he didn't belong on and said, God, why have you forsaken me? And this is why. Because Jesus says, when I redeemed you. I took on everything you've ever done, it rested on me. Not just for you, but for the whole world. For all time. So every unacceptable thing to God rested on Jesus in that moment. That means my poor behavior, my poor decisions, my poor thought processes, the things I've said and done wrong were resting on Jesus. And a holy God couldn't look at it. A holy God looked down at his own son and said, I can't see this. But he was redeeming me. You see, the reality is this. Jesus was rejected by the Father so that I could be accepted by the Father. See, the whole thing was that I'll take your place. And everything I've ever done wrong rested on Jesus right there. And that sets me free to live. That sets me free to understand I am now acceptable to the Father. Not because I'm great, but because he was great. And that's why you'll see me jumping at the front in praise and worship. Because my Jesus did that for me. Not because I'm awesome, because he's flipping awesome. He didn't deserve to be up there. But what is that moment like? God, Dad, why have you rejected me? And the reason he couldn't look at him was because of me and my stuff that he took on and said, but I'm doing this for you, Barry. He was rejected so that I could be accepted. Rejection is a huge issue today. I've been in ministry 40 years. And I would say it's the most common thing that I have to minister into. It's a horrible thing where you feel like you're doing your best You're trying to please people and it's never good enough. And you're always pushed aside. It destroys people. Well, Jesus was rejected so that you would be accepted. And your friends might not accept you. Your family might not accept you. But I tell you what, your father accepts you. And when you know the acceptance of a father, it trumps everything else. Because when you know you're accepted into his family, you behave differently. Suddenly you can flourish. You know, I was a talented footballer, but when I didn't feel accepted, I was rubbish. But when I felt accepted, my talent came back. There is a talent in you that is squashed by unacceptance. And I'm here today to tell you the fourth cup of Passover is declaring to you, let's dream again. Because there's something in you that is important. I love this. It's not the end of the story. Because Jesus didn't sin, he went down to hell, had a little chat with Satan. Now, I don't know how that chat went. But I wouldn't have minded watching. I think it probably went something like this. Satan, I love you. I've always loved you. And if you'd only turn around, I'd still love you. But Satan hasn't got it in him. He's the father of lies. It's his native language. And he still competes. And he says, okay, I love you, but I win. And he took the keys of death and hell. And he says, come on, let's go, church. And he leads us in triumph. The word says Jesus leads the church in triumph. He wins. And now I'm acceptable to the one who wins. That means I win. You win. It's the best place to live. I don't know how that conversation went, but that's my take on it. When you grasp your acceptance by a loving father, it helps you to work out who you really are. It's an identity thing. You know who you are when you know whose you are. And I liken that to my own family. I've got Josh and Evie here with me today. It's one of my greatest thrills to be in the crazy crazy, crazy praise mosh pit with my own children. And Josh is nearly as big as me now. And we're jumping and bumping into each other. Do you know what? We're bumping into each other for Jesus. And you're all welcome, by the way. We've got a little air. My dream is that we have to move chairs back because you guys want to come and just give it some crazy. <laughs> Jesus deserves my crazy. <laughs> my children know who they are. And the reason they know who they are is because they know who their dad is. They know who mum is. And they're brought up in a place of love and acceptance. And they do things wrong. But we have grace for them, we teach them, and we move forward. And they're growing up into kids who I believe are going to change the world. They're going to go way further than Sarah and I have ever been. They're going to dream bigger than Sarah and I have ever dreamed. They're going to go somewhere. But the reason they can do that is because they know who they are. And they've been connected to a loving Father, and they fully understand that. And you know what? As they grow up, and Josh is already finding it coming up 15 years, there are other voices, there are other opportunities, there are other thought processes in his world, they are. But you know what? When you know your identity, you don't have to conform to those choices to fit in. So many people are making mistakes in life, not because they want to, because they feel they have to, to fit in. Well, Josh will never do that. He went through a difficult time in school a, a year or so ago where he was ostracised, basically, by the cool gang. And do you know what? I love it. I don't even think I could have done it. He went and sat on their table at dinner, sat and ate with them. Uh, you picture yourself at school, and you know, all the bullies, the cool guys, the hard nuts, the one who's got all the right clothes on, and the cool gang. Josh used to be in that, and for what? For literally no reason, they didn't like him anymore. But he went and sat with them. Table of ten people, he's sitting right in the middle of them. I mean, how brave you've got to be. I mean, I I'm impressed by him anyway. I went, Josh, you're not welcome here. Go away. He went, no. I was like, go on, Josh. It's brilliant. Anyway, this went on for a couple of months, and he just he just wouldn't give up. Best thing was the God of position summon, because at that point, Io, the awesomeness that is Io, was teaching at the school. And Io happened to, Josh was eating a bag of crisps, and one of his kids smashed this bag of crisps out of Josh's hand, and Io saw it. And I went up to this kid and made him pick every crumb up. See, that's my father looking out for my kid. (laughs) See, when I can't be there, I was there, and I was far more scary. (laughs) But that's the father. You see, and in that process, I think those lads looked at Josh and went, he's not backing down. Do you know what? Josh is back in the gang, but with a different attitude, that he doesn't care if he's accepted or not. He's in the gang. They love him. He even hangs out with the worst one. They go go down training together. Cracks me up. But he didn't buckle. Do you know why he didn't buckle? Because he knows who he is. And he knows who he is because he knows who his dad is. And he knows who his dad is, and he knows who his heavenly father is. And it changes his behavior. It changes everything. It's the same for me and you. You will find yourself in situations where you can choose one thing or the other. But when you know who you are, you will make a different choice. Yeah. And it's all linked to acceptance. There's... All kinds of choices, I think, that we make as people, that are so linked to identity. You know, a common choice today is to share your body. It's a common choice. It's sex isn't looked on how it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago. The things that we do today in society, my nan would have been like, what? But it's perfectly normal today. But should it be? Or is it that we're fitting in with what the world does? And is that because you've forgotten who you really are? Because I know this, my Evie won't do that. And if she did, she'd be embarrassed in front of me. Yet my heavenly father's watching all the time. And if you know you're his kid, it affects how you behave. And when you live it right, you are blessed. See, the reality is I know with the sex issue, it's like I'm not trying to pretend it's not nice. Of course it's nice. But for a moment's pleasure, what are you stealing for the rest of your life? And how many do you want to rack up before you meet the person you want to spend the rest of your life with? And he says, how many? Or she says, how many? And then you've got to carry that around with you. You're ruining your future. And is a moment's pleasure worth that? Or do we honor God? Yeah, another great one for me, and I've had it a lot in our church, you know, people find the partner they feel like they're going to spend the rest of their life with and even get engaged, and then they start getting a bit lax because we know we're going to get married. Anyone ever heard that one? You know, and it's just like we ju- we're just trying to justify it because we want to get there early. What are we trying to get there early if we've got all life to do that? But what we do is we get there a bit early. But what you're doing is robbing the blessing of a blessed sex life under the Father because you're running ahead of Him. But when you know your father and you walk it with him, everything's blessed, including the bedroom. Do it right, church. Know who you are. Know who your dad is. Do you know why I think some people are stingy? Stinginess goes against the father's heart. Jesus, God, God gave Jesus. How more generous can you get? Generosity is who he is. And yet we come to an opportunity to give or we come to an opportunity to bless someone, not just in church, but anywhere. And we don't. And the reason we don't, I think, isn't because you're not kind people. It's because we're worried that if we give away what we've got, will we ever get it again? And so it's a fear. that If I give this away, what have I got left? And what that really is saying is you haven't understood that God is your provider. He's your dad. You know, when Evie blesses people, and I see her bless people, and I've got a few quid in the bank, am I going to go, oh, Evie, yeah, I shouldn't give that away, should you? ha, <laughs> ha. Or as her loving father, I'm going to wow, Eve, you're amazing. You gave a fiver away. He's a tenner, because I can do that. Well, my father's got enough. And so, actually, generosity as a heartbeat is linked to your identity. It's linked to you knowing who your dad really is. Criticism. Criticism's a great one, isn't it? I don't know if anyone's got a Facebook ap- account, but I love those debates. Have you ever seen them? Oh, I don't think this. And bang 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 bang, 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 everyone's on it criticizing someone or people or something. But Jesus never criticized. He only loved. And so actually criticism comes out of a place of identity, thinking if I can deflect the attention onto them and disagree with them, with the crowd behind me, they look silly. Whereas actually, if you're secure in yourself, you don't need to criticize someone. You just need to love people. And that comes from knowing who you are. And that comes from drinking the cup of acceptance. Can you see what happens? Everything changes in your behavior when you feel accepted. Everything changes in your ability when you know who you are. So as we prepare to drink this cup of acceptance, how big could you dream? I like to think there's a big dream in you somewhere. But I think because of the way we're squashed in this world, your dream just gets smaller and smaller and smaller when God always wanted to get bigger and bigger and bigger but when you know whose you are you can dream bigger you know what could your business look like what could your marriage look like what could your parenthood look like what could your qualifications look like I don't know what it is but what could it look like if you started to dream again what could it look like if you knew that your heavenly father was backing you all the way and he will What is it that God's placed in you that just gets you stirred and excited? You've all got something. I feel like being fully accepted positions you as an ordinary person to bring hope to the world through extraordinary events. Because your Heavenly Father's with you. Your Father has always been positioning you for the most outrageous life. John 10.10 is one of my favorite verses. We did a whole series on it last year. Jesus speaks and he says, the thief has come to kill, steal and destroy. But I, Jesus, representing the Father, came that you'd have life and life in its fullness. And I like that word outrageous. I came that you'd have the outrageous life. People should look at you and go, just what? And you can say, it's not because I'm better than you or more gifted than you. It's just I know whose I am. And when God's backing me, anything's possible. So I dream big, I think big, I talk big, I act big. Not because I'm big, because he's big and he's with me and he accepts me. And I feel like all of this leads to a place of praise. When you know you've been pulled out, when you know he's working on you continually to help your thought processes, when you know he paid such a heavy price for you, when you know he accepts you, it has to lead to a place where you say, thank you. However you might say thank you, it leads to praise. He set himself up, laid himself bare, all to say to you, I love you. And I feel like that requires a response that says I love you back. Not just in a word, but in a lifestyle. And then people are blessed. You're blessed. The kingdom's advanced. Being part of God's family is the best life ever because we get to be his people together. Sometimes I stuff it up. Sometimes you stuff it up. When we stuff it up, let's get around each other and say, come on, let's go again. And when we do that, good things happen. It's always been the Father's heart that you'd be blessed because he accepts you just as you are and he loves you. I'd love to pray for you. Would you mind just jumping to your feet? Jesus, lord thank you for this morning thank you for the way you've led this meeting for your presence for your encouragement for the journey you've taken us on in just a short time lord i want to thank you for every brilliant person you've gathered this morning amazing amazing people gifted loved talented i pray lord god that everyone here would have a fresh connection with you church, no, no, no. You are accepted. You're accepted. Despite your flaws, despite your history, you're accepted. It's done. Would you allow that to position you to dream again? Would you say, God, I want to start living like I'm accepted. I want to start believing in myself again. I want to thank you for who you made me, Jesus. I always like to give people an opportunity to respond to something. Maybe you're someone who that really resonates with today. And you're saying to me, Barry, I really relate to that. I feel like I've lived a bit squashed. But I want today to be a new beginning for me. I want to realize that I'm fully accepted by my father and he's helping me to dream again. If you're someone who says, yeah, I want to dream again, I want to dream bigger, I want to go further because my dad's cheering me on. If you've had a realization that today, I want to pray in for you. So just give me a wave if that's you. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you in the middle. Bless you at the side there. Bless you at the back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord God, you've seen the hands. You've seen the hearts. Lord, I just pray for a fresh revelation of your acceptance this morning. Guys, God loves you full stop. You're acceptable to him. Allow your dad to cheer you on. Get to know him. Find your identity in him and dream and act and think like a child of the King. I always love to give opportunity in this moment. Is there anyone today who wants to be right with Jesus? Maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you've known Jesus and have drifted away, and today's a great opportunity to say, Lord, I wanna be right with you. If that's you, just give me a wave again. We're gonna pray together. Is there anyone today saying, today's the day I wanna make sure I'm right with Jesus? Always we'll give that opportunity. Just two more seconds, one there, one there in the middle, one there at the back just give us a big hand so I can see who I'm praying with lovely awesome man there awesome guy in the middle thank you Jesus a couple of people responding do you know what heaven rejoices in these moments when people recommit or commit to Jesus heaven rejoices let's rejoice with heaven now we're going to pray a prayer I'll pray a line and then you pray it with me Father God thank you for Jesus thank you that he died for me I accept you, Jesus, to be my Lord, to lead me forward, and to be my King. And all God's people said, Amen, 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 Amen.